Welcome to The Independent Entrepreneur, available online at www.indiebizshow.com. My name is Sean Salisbury, and today we're talking with Chad Morris, founder and owner of Myogenics. Myogenics is a modestly sized gym focusing on what's called high-intensity training and is located in West Hollywood. As we will soon see, Chad has a unique approach to exercise, a strong passion for and knowledge about what he does, and tells us how he gets potential clients to sell him on becoming a customer. And with that, we turn to Chad Morris, who's joining us today in studio. Chad, we start with the same question we ask all our guests, which is, what was your first meaningful job and how would it influence your future career? Wow. my I mean, I remember the day I was in seventh grade, I believe, and I got booked to do a magic show and actually get paid. And, and magic was one of my hobbies at the time. So it was $35 I got paid for this uh, kid's birthday party. And that was a huge deal to me. And I continued to do magic through and after college a little bit. How has it influenced me today? That was starting my own business, doing something I loved and finding that I could actually make money having fun doing this thing. And that's, in a sense, what I do today. So uh, let's fast forward a bit and jump right into myogenics. Tell us what uh, myogenics is and uh, how the business got started and that kind of thing. Well, myogenics is an interesting name. It's uh, from from Greek roots, just meaning muscle creation, muscle creating, muscle building. And that's just the name of the business. What happened was I got really out of shape after college and through kind of good fortune, ended up meeting and training with and becoming friends with a former Mr. Universe who was a pretty intense bodybuilder. And he introduced me to this style of thinking, um, this philosophy of training of doing much more intense workouts and then having a lot more rest between the workouts. So you're talking about training 20 or 30 minutes once or twice a week rather than several hours a week. What happened was I saw this was a lot more effective for me I had several of my friends doing it. It worked better for them. And uh, you know, going back to that old kind of that pattern that I had of from doing those magic shows and several other things of liking to run my own own business, I uh, figured, hey, this would be a fun business to start to take all of these ideas that are out there in this philosophy, this school of thought, and create a place where we're ideally implementing all of these practices. Okay, that, that's so. So that's really interesting. So you got interested into a particular kind and a form of fitness, and you wanted to create a gym around that product, rather exactly. than necess- you know, because there's a lot of gyms out there and whatnot that people can go to. Uh, they have weight training, they have you know, they have cardiovascular exercise, a lot of different things uh, and options are out there. Uh, but your approach was you wanted to sell something that had a, a service basically that was very particular to this kind of a workout. Correct. Yeah. So tell us about that process of of getting the business going. I mean, had you had much business experience before that? What was your background and um, how did you kind of get things going? Tell us about that process. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I'd done a few things. I had just done a solo sort of situation doing magic shows, which was, it's kind of a business, but it's, it's, uh, it's not as detailed. I had started a little real estate investment company when I was 19 and bought some property and learned a lot about that and actually formed a, a corporate entity doing that. 
Um, but this was the first time I really went out and sought investors. So I actually started the business with a partner, my first time having a business partner. We can talk more about that. Sure, if you yeah. want. And we went out looking for enough money to fund a location and equipment and laying out projections. Now, you know, one of the things I've learned is that it may be almost better to to not do such things, to start things, to find a way to provide some value in a in a slow manner that's profitable the whole way up mm-hmm. uh, because there is a there's a pretty big learning curve in terms of what people actually respond to what they actually want so it's it's expensive to borrow money and it's not it's it's exciting to you know get the money and then set everything up and have everything come together. That uh, was a lot of work. And uh, so, tell us about that process. I mean, you you needed a certain amount of capital to to open your doors, basically, and I assume like buy equipment for your gym and that kind of thing. Can you tell us how did you go about uh, raising the money? Did you go to your friends, your family? Was the person you partnered up with uh, a, a big part of that? Tell us about that a little bit. So, fortunately, we had started training people and had some fans who were interested in investing in, in such a venture, and then went to acquaintances, friends, people that I knew. And um, somehow, you know, with excitement about the project and writing it up and didn't entirely know what I was doing. But you know, I remember <laughs> sitting down and uh, my business partner and I and, and just pitching people on, we have this great idea. And here's, we came up with some spreadsheets. Uh, fortunately, I partnered with somebody who was brilliant at spreadsheets because I didn't know a thing about spreadsheets. <laughs> but they look impressive to people and they, they give you a good sense of what things might happen. You know, it didn't exactly turn out the way that we predicted, but I, I think that's, it probably never does for anybody. Sure. I mean, part of what we did, it was really important to me to not give away the business. So I know there's a technical term for this, and I don't even think we knew what the term was, but basically we had people invest in the company. They owned a percentage of our revenue up to a certain cap, and then they I were see. out of the company. So so you were able to negotiate with, with the investors Basically, not even for necessarily equity in the company, but just for a, a piece of the revenue up to a certain point. Correct. Correct. Wow. I think that's probably one thing a lot of people I see who get started with businesses try to figure out what's the right way to do things. Like, what's sure. the, what are the standards or what are they expected to do? And I don't think there are, I mean, certainly people have certain expectations, but if you have something you want to get done and you have a way that will work, you can present that to people. And you can make it work if it makes sense. So tell us a little bit about um, pricing your product. How did you go about pricing this thing? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of gym memberships out there and different models and things like that. Tell us about, uh, you know, you're thinking about that, maybe how it's changed over time and, you know, anything you care to share about that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because what we do is, is so different where we're working with people for a lot less time getting many of our clients better results and they've gotten training more time. So we could arguably charge both a premium for saving them time and a premium for getting them more results. And, you know, per hour, that that's insane um, what we'd be charging. But it'd be worth it to some people. Where we actually priced was just a little above what, on an hourly rate or a session rate, what a, a conventional trainer would charge. So it really, if, if somebody got the idea, it made a whole lot of sense. It was kind of a no-brainer. So your selling point then was really 
this exercise. I mean, obviously, you were very passionate about this form of, of working out and, and health and whatnot. So it was really, you know, you, you've fairly competitive price. Um, and then your selling point was really, if you do it our way, it'll actually, this is a workout that is actually going to work. It's, yeah, it's two things. It's a workout that's actually going to work. But for category people, they're just not going to work out because they don't have enough time. So what we were offering is a way to work out that works within their time frame. They can spend 20 minutes one day a week and get pretty impressive results. And so I think our real target is people who, who that's the important issue for. They're busy. They're successful. Having better physical health is a real value to them. And they just don't know where to fit that into their schedule. And we can provide that. Yeah, no, I mean, we're kind of jumping into uh, marketing strategy now, right? Yeah. In, in terms of how you're selling it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what is your approach to, to marketing your business? How do you get people into your gym and sign up and, and tell us about that? Because I know, you know, I've been to gyms before where it's really high pressure kind of sales and, and that kind of thing, which I personally don't like, but maybe it's effective. I don't know. But uh, anyway, tell us about your approach here. Yeah, it's it's sort of the opposite of that, I have to say. When we first opened the doors, just wanted to get people in there. And so the approach was, well, let's give people free sessions and just encourage them to come in. And that turned out to not be an effective strategy. It was a little bit effective, but we had all kinds of people just not show up or they would show up and they wouldn't pay any attention because they weren't committed. They hadn't invested anything. So our approach has evolved to we know what kind of clients we like to work with. And they basically have to qualify themselves to us and not only pay for the initial consultation, but also justify why we would want to work with them. And we find this, I mean, this just brings in a much higher quality of person as somebody who's a lot more fun to work with. They are committed and we can really spend our time providing a lot of value rather than trying to get the attention of somebody who's only half there. So are you saying basically your 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 sales strategy is to have the customer sell themselves to you? In a way. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it really is. Um it's it's sort of completely reverse what we started out doing, but it it sure is a lot nicer to have people begging to get in than to try to be on the other side of that trying to convince somebody, "No, really, what we do is valuable." So, Chad, how long was it before your business was profitable? Tell us about that sort of experience and um, maybe the, the realization or the feeling that you got when, when you hit that point, uh, you know, anything like that. So one of the questions is how do you measure profit? Because that's going to include, like, in my case, how, is that when I'm paying myself anything, when I'm paying myself enough to survive or when, you know, it's right. like putting away money for the business in addition to pay and, you know, have everything covered. But realistically... It was a lot longer than I thought. It was a, it was a good, yeah, few years before we were really solidly profitable. It's one of these things where, looking back on it, I remember at the time it feeling really difficult to get there, and then looking back on it, it seems why did that seem like such a struggle? Why did that seem so difficult? I think there's an element of running a business that a lot of it is just your own perception and being able to see what's really po like really believing in what's possible and being limited by your own psychological stuff going on. So I, I feel like as every barrier gets hit and passed, it seems easy after the fact, like I could easily do that again. Sure. Why did I, why did that seem so difficult? <laughs> I don't know how to turn that into advice exactly for somebody who's in front of a barrier, 
or on the other side of it. So what can you tell us now about, you know, the size of myogenics in terms of, uh, you know, anything that you're willing to share in terms of, you know, maybe how many uh, trainers you have at your gym or, you know, anything like that? Yeah, so we're really small. We have we have three trainers. We, were, we work one-on-one with clients. It's my current mission to make the quality of what we do just better and better before trying to expand it. And I would like to open at least another location at some point. I actually have lots of things that I that I would like to do. And this is, I guess we can get into one of the, I think the toughest challenges for me anyway, is to stay focused on mm-hmm. just a couple of things because there are so many things that are interesting and there are so yeah. many things that people want. And I mean, I noticed as I had any level of success, people want to come up to me all day long and say, you should do this, you should do that. Sure. And I already have you know, hundreds or thousands of ideas in the back of my head and there's adding to them. So it's hard to keep that, that real focus on, okay, I'm going to actually follow through on this thing and then move on to the next thing. Tell us about that process a little bit more, you know, how you uh, regulate that in terms of, you know, how do you, where do you decide where to go from here? How do you, how do you make that judgment? How do you make that call? It seems to be a back and forth of noticing okay, what's a problem, what's working, and experimenting, trying to move things forward. There's a lot of moving parts. Like when I was doing magic shows and it was just myself, there were difficulties, but it's a whole different thing with employees and with thinking, how do I make a place for another person? And for my comfort level to be there opening another facility, I realize some things, some procedures, some systems have to be in place where I'm really comfortable that if I give somebody who's 80% 80% competent or 70% competent, <laughs> put them in this place that it's going to be pretty easy for them to to do the right things and stay on track. Mm-hmm. And conceptually, that can be pretty easy to think through, oh, I've, I figured it out. But actually arriving in that spot, it seems so easy, but how many times do we walk into a business and get really crappy service? Like sure. somebody who's been established, like even, right. I mean, McDonald's, it doesn't happen very often, but it still happens. there. It's so... There's a lot of moving parts to try to orchestrate. So tell us now, do you have business partners now? You said you used to have one. Right. And you were willing to talk about that a little bit. I'm curious sure. about uh, sort of maybe, you know, how did you manage that relationship in the beginning? Now, I, I believe you're the sole owner of, uh, am, of Myogenics. I am currently, yes. So, um, so tell us about that a little bit. Because so you, you've, you've had the unique experience of, of experience both working with a partner and being a sole proprietor, basically. Right. And... There are definite advantages and definite disadvantages. So starting the business, it was very helpful to have another person to throw ideas around with. You mentioned those Excel sheets, for for example. Yeah, and someone who has other talents. One of the realizations that I've come to more and more is just how many deficiencies I have in life that, that can hold me back. So definitely filling out some of those rounding out some of those deficiencies are it's it's great to have somebody else who's excited who's interested who's committed who compliments you pretty well now it's also tricky because the levels of motivation can vary slightly person to person and what happened is no business ever goes exactly as planned so with the two of us as time went on and things didn't go exactly as planned i was wanting to do certain things he was wanting to do things a little bit differently. Then our, our levels of motivation varied and different life things came up and it ended up being that it just it was best to dissolve the partnership and, and I really wanted to to take it forward and, and keep moving and he wanted to go on to other things. So it worked out pretty well 
but you know, I mean, there was, it was a little bit difficult for a little while. Um, so in, in terms of advice, I would just say, if you're looking at having a partner, be really, really careful that, uh, you're clear on exactly what the responsibilities are of each person. And, and to know that when life situations change, what is an exit like how might you dissolve that if someone's situation changes because things change and no and especially in your case like you you were still passionate about it you wanted to carry it forward and and the other person didn't have that same passion that you did so uh, it would it's good to actually be able to to even recognize that yeah i mean fortunately for us it it worked out where it wasn't that we just ended up with two completely different visions of where we wanted to go and we're both pulling for it but you know we had i wanted to to carry it forward and he wanted to move on to other things. Cool. So let's dive in a little a little bit more into, you know, the the philosophy behind uh, this this kind of training that you're so passionate about because I think I really want people to get the sense of what really is the hook for myogenics because it, it, it's what actually attracted me to even I never worked out before I went mm-hmm. before I learned about uh, your method of of working out or whatnot and there's a lot of things about it that are attractive to me just as someone who wants to be in shape but for those who maybe aren't familiar with the particular uh, you know methods involved here and whatnot can you take us through that tell us about it and you know talk about why you love it so much yeah well of course that's a subject that's very interesting to me I when you talk about working out, most people think of it in terms of how much exercise do they do. But really, like anything in life, there's a small percentage of actions that we take that produce a large percentage of the outcomes. This is traditionally called the 80-20 rule. Right. And I think in exercise, it's more like the five ninety-five rule, where about 5% of the things that people are doing to try to get in shape are producing 95% of the of the benefits. So that's the thing that intrigued me is learning from this bodybuilder, Mike Menser, that I got to know, learning about the history of the Nautilus Corporation, which had done a lot of research, and then digging in and just looking up studies, finding other physiologists and experts who are interested in this and saying, how can we really hone in on this small percentage of physical activity that produce a disproportionately great outcome. And um, so there's interesting scientific questions in that, many of which haven't really been studied and haven't been resolved, but there's a, a trend in the data that grows stronger and stronger, I believe, as time has passed, that says you really can in just 10 to 20 minutes. I mean, I work out about 10 minutes a week currently. And I remember running track and cross country in high school and college and Mm -hmm. and going like doing the practices for running and then going to the gym for a few hours a week in addition to that. And I'm stronger and in better shape now. And this is, you know, well over a decade, quite a bit longer, actually, (laughs) after that. So I'm older and and, uh, spending a lot less time. So I think it may be possible that if somebody spends a lot more time, they might get a tiny bit more results. It's also entirely possible that that wouldn't happen. But what I know is we can get great results in, in very little time if everything is done okay. right. And, and the key thing. So tell, us, t- say, t- tell yeah. us about that. Like take, take us into, you know, into, into your gym. I'm coming into your gym as a customer. I'm going to work out 10 minutes a week. And how is that going to benefit me? I mean, so, so tell us about that. What am I actually doing in the gym? It turns out that the key element of exercise is intensity. It's not how long 
an exercise lasts or okay. how many repetitions someone does, but how intense the muscles of the body are working. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody comes into our gym, we teach them how to train in such a way that their muscles are never resting. Uh, and we work them up as they get progressively better the effort becomes greater and greater. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're using more weight. Sometimes it does, but there's elements of technique involved. And uh, you can get to the point where after 10 or 15 minutes, you're panting, you're sweating, even though we keep the temperature very cold. We keep it you know, 64, 63 degrees. Wow. Um, people usually feel too cold walking in, but after a few minutes of working out, they say they're glad that it's cold because you get so warm training this way. So I come in, I work out for 10 minutes, and I don't see you for, for a week, and I get super buff? Or Yeah, you know, the, so what we're training for is really strength. Okay. And there's a lot of confusion about how you can train for different shaped bodies. But everything that I've seen and everyone that I've talked to that I respect indicates that that's genetic primarily. So we can train somebody for strength. And then as a result of that, if somebody's dieting properly, they're going to get really lean. The size of their muscles is going to vary based on their genetics and what their body wants to be. And then the rest period between, it's not just that someone can get away with resting for four, five, six, seven days between workouts, but it actually becomes a requirement as that intensity level rises it causes little micro trauma within the muscle fibers, within the muscle tissues. And if you look at uh, electron microscope slides of muscle biopsies, you can actually see it can take a week or longer after a really intense bout of exercise to return back to normal. How important is diet to all of this? I mean, you're a gym, right? So, I mean, you're not you're not uh, selling food or things like that. But I know that diet is important to somebody's health. So can you talk about that a little bit? How does that factor into the equation here? It's huge. And this is one of the areas that we're pursuing more and more is is offering a, I don't really like the word holistic, but we're, we're offering a kind of a broader approach to help people keep in check all the various things they have to do. So if somebody wants to get in great shape, they have to train properly with exercise, they have to eat right, they have to sleep right, and they have to manage their stress levels somehow. And so we've got a new flagship program that we've just, we're about to officially roll it out. We've been sort of beta testing it where we're doing more than just training, but going in every quarter and setting goals and helping people monitor those things. So they're seeing real progress. If somebody doesn't eat well enough for them, and every you know we all know the people that can eat pizzas all day long and live to be old age and healthy and feel good right. uh, but within whatever your body's responding if somebody isn't eating well they'll get stronger but they're not going to typically see the types of physical changes that we want so they won't get leaner they they typically won't every once in a while someone will so convincing people to do things outside of the gym and outside of seeing us is one of the one of the biggest challenges. I see. Let's talk a little bit about um, having employees. I mean, I know you have some other people that 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 train your you know customers and whatnot at your gym. Tell us about um, you know how do you attract good people to be trainers for you? Tell us about that process. Yeah, I feel like I've been really lucky in terms of having people who've found out about what I'm doing, what we're doing, and have sort of sought me out. So I've always had a backlog of people saying, you know, I'm interested in training there. Someone who has some experience with the the exercise philosophy that we use. Now, I think 
finding the right people is is so important. And I, I feel like I've learned this more and more as time goes on that it's just without the right people on the team, it's not as fun to work with and less gets done. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but that's a, that's a big one. And I think part of running a business is it's a big part of your life. And do you want a life that, you know, that's fun or do you want one that's a drag? And so I think one of the issues with hiring people is, is this person going to feel like a drain or are they going to feel like, you know, maybe not your best friend, but somebody that you really respect and uh, is, is passionate about what you hope they are. Otherwise you're going to feel like what's going on with my business. This person doesn't care about what they're doing. And it's, it, you can take that personally. Now, like I said, I've been pretty lucky historically finding some, some really good people to be trainers and I've had several working for me and it's nice to get different perspectives. So different people will focus on different things and bring their own unique abilities. And, you know, I have to say, I've, I've learned a lot from everybody that I've had as an employee. So it's, it's always great if you're open to, to really learning things from people. And there's a, several people I've recommended. And the last hire I made was actually my, my current uh, assistant. And I used a process called top grading, um, which is a, a book, which is a really intense interview process. And the premise of this is that how a person has acted in their past is going to predict fairly accurately how they're going to continue to act. And accurately enough that you don't want to try to go against that in hiring somebody. And I've used that once and I would highly recommend that. And it's it's basically going through every single job the person's ever held, every experience they've had in various schooling that they've done, and asking some some very personal and pointed questions and patterns start to emerge and you feel like you really have a sense of what this person's strengths and patterns are and if they're going to be a good fit. What's one of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now as a company? You know, I think our biggest challenge is the, the thing I mentioned earlier, we're just maintaining focus on, on a couple of things. So, I mean, one of the big things coming up is I would like to get us to the point where I, I can open another facility. I'm trying to, uh, my girlfriend lives uh, a fair distance from me, so I'd like to be able to spend more time there and, and be able to have another location there and, and be able to make my current location pretty independent and, and functioning really well. And doing that in such a way that it's it's going to actually be better than it is now, which is really important to me. Along with that, I mentioned this new program that we're going into, uh, which is our Platinum program, where we're working with people in a much broader capacity, where rather than just somebody signing up for personal training sessions, people are making a year commitment to us, and we're making, at the same time, a commitment back to them to help them monitor and follow through and prioritize and and manage the fact that they are going to be progressing not only with their exercise routine but with their diet at, at whatever pace is appropriate for them um, and how that's gone so far is that the few people we've taken in it's pretty encouraging and we're just kind of I'm just kind of stumbling around figuring out what are all the things we have to do to to help ensure this and uh, learning quite a bit and you know, I've had clients who have been clients for years who are all of a sudden their their results are taking off because they're just giving a little bit more of the right focus in the right places. I have quite a bit of plans for things to test with that program, and I have pretty high hopes for what we're going to be able to accomplish with people. 
Great, great. No, and I think that's really fascinating because, you know, you start off with a gym and a method and whatnot, and now, you know, several years later, you're, you know, you're trying to come up with, with new products to, you know, maybe upsell or, or how can you, you know, approach this, this mm-hmm. issue a little bit differently, and you're able to, to, to tackle other issues. I mean, I remember when I started to work out, for example, I just had in the back of my mind, I want to be more healthy, I need to go work out. Well, Working out is like we've talked about is only one part of the equation. There's also diet and and sleep hygiene and all these kinds of other things that that factor into play that maybe people don't even know about. So, having the the gym be an entry point for that and being able to say, hey, actually, you know, all these other things are are an important factor too, and we can help you manage that. Sounds like, you know, an, an interesting kind of a, a approach or a, you know a bouncing off point basically. Yeah, and, and I think educating people, it's a lot of fun for me, but a lot of people really don't want to be educated. They're resistant to it, uh-huh. even though they really need it. I mean, the field of fitness is just filled with all kinds of misconceptions and and bad advice and things that will take up people's time and money left and right. So if they aren't properly educated, they're going to go out into the world at the supermarket, read a couple headlines and fall prey to all these misconceptions. So it's it's really important to educate people and to figure out for us in a way to do that that's not infringing too much on their on their time. You know, our clients are busy people, like I said. So there's sort of a fine line where they just want to know what's the minimum they have to do, but at the same time, we do have to educate them to a certain extent. So every company has a core set of metrics that they look at to track, you know, their success and whatnot. What kind of metrics are you looking at in your company on a on a regular basis? Yeah, Sean, I, I'm kind of a metric junkie. I, I look at probably <laughs> way too many. But there's definitely one for us that I look at most, which is just the number of sessions that we do with clients every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that tells a number of things or it indicates how consistent our clients are at coming in. Mm-hmm. Um you know, obviously profitability is for us directly based on the clients that we have in the sessions we're training. So it's a, it's a good gauge of that as well. But that, that's our one metric, I would say. So I know everyone in business has, you know, made mistakes along the way. What, what mistakes have you made in, in running your business? Maybe something that sort of pops out in your head. You know, how did you fix it and, and what lesson did you learn? I need to pick one. Um, <laughs> I think part of the business process I've realized is just understanding that I'm probably making mistakes all day long and to say, okay, which, which do I want to work on fixing and just accepting that I'm making mistakes left and right. I'd say at the beginning, not really being fully aware of my own weaknesses was a big mistake in terms of my organizational abilities and what my strengths were and making assumptions that, okay, it's, it's possible to do all of these things that I'm setting out to do for the next week and just assuming that I'm going to get those done and not really knowing about myself. Here are my strengths and here are weaknesses. And I need to, if, if something is, is a weakness, I should really have somebody else doing that or find a, a way to make sure it gets done rather than just assume it's possible this is going to get done. So therefore it probably will. What's one of the biggest lessons you've learned uh, in being in business for yourself? You know, I we might have gone into this a couple times before. I'd say one of the biggest lessons I've learned is is the critical role of psychology in everything that we do. This spans how I work with clients to employees to myself and how I 
think of approaching the business, but really understanding what all these sort of emotional and psychological motivations are and trying to have a place for considering those things. As I was just saying with the uh, not recognizing weaknesses, and certainly the, the more I've learned about that with myself, the more I've been able to help clients see and overcome and articulate the challenges that people face with implementing exercise or implementing nutrition, where a lot of it is somebody might know the thing they should be doing, but they're not doing it and figuring out how to get that to work. No, that's interesting. And it kind of comes back maybe a little bit to marketing, which I know we've talked about, but maybe we can go back to that for a, for a minute here, because it's it's really interesting to me, the kinds of clients that are attracted to your kind of workout. I mean, is there a, is there a particular kind of profile of people that, that you're targeting or who seem to, you know, be in your gym more often than not? And, you know, you're talking about psychology is interesting to you and that kind of thing. Is there a certain kind of person that's that's in your gym more likely to be in your gym and be your kind of customer? There's a certain type of person, I've, I've written a lot of newsletters and blog posts and done some videos, so a certain type of person responds to that, that likes to really think about these things and understand why is this working, figure that out. So we get that type of person who would go to maybe a conventional gym and a conventional trainer, and the trainer says, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to do a little of that, and this person's feeling, well, this is contradicting the thing you told me last week. And so that type of person who would be frustrated with that tends to really gravitate towards us. But we get a big percentage of, interestingly, lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs. A lot of our clients cluster into those three life career categories. And is it because that they're interested in the fact that it doesn't take a lot of time to do? Is that a big selling point? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination of that it's very time efficient Mm -hmm. and that's a value to those people. And also that it's an interesting intellectual puzzle, if you think of it the right way, figuring out how to turn exercise and fitness, how to whittle it down to its barest essence and really go after this thing that's going to get a lot of results for very little time. I know you mentioned before in terms of marketing, you want the customer to sell themselves to you, but how do you get them to come in in the first place? I mean, is it just, is it word of mouth? Is it, uh, do you do advertising? You talked a little bit about online efforts and things like that. So um, I'm just kind of curious about that process a little bit. Yeah, I've done so many things. I've done direct mail. I've done print ads and and magazines and newspapers. Um, I've run radio ads before, which didn't work at all. I've gotten all kinds of publicity on news shows, uh, write-ups in in magazines. And I think the most important thing is to find those people. I can do an interview on the 11 o'clock news, and we might get one call from somebody who lives 12 miles away who can't afford us, who's curious about it. Right. So it's those kind of people are on the internet looking for things from time to time. So I think getting our website positioned so when someone searches on a personal trainer, they see us, if they respond to our website, they call us. Of course, a lot of people don't. Not everybody's going to be a good match. But what has been the most effective uh, for you in terms of getting new new customers? Right? Yeah, I mean, the most effective things have been mailing to people who are our demographic like physical mailing. I haven't tried that in a while, so I need to go back and, and redo that, as, as you mentioned that. And online, getting people who have uh, lists of subscribers who are really interested, who are the, the type of people who are interested in what we do to mail to their list and tell them about us has probably been the single most successful thing, but largely because that's sort of instantaneous. And when someone gets an email, if they're interested, they can just click on it. And so that's that's been by far our best 
single thing that we've done. You know, I can say another interesting thing. I'm not sure where this fits in. Yeah. But I think when people walk into our facility, they see something that's very different from a typical gym where we are stripped down to the essence. It's not impressive like a lot of gyms will have swimming pools and look really amazing. And walking into our facility is more like getting into a a race car than getting into a, you know, a nice luxury car where it's, it, there's a purpose for everything that's there and it's designed to do what it does. There's an elegance and a beauty to kind of the minimalist aspect of what it is. But I think there's, there's also a type of person who responds to that and a type that doesn't. But I think in business, if you're doing something, doing that one thing really well is much more impressive to the person who you really want as a client than trying to be good to every person. And I've seen over the years many people who start off with the same exercise philosophy as, as we have come in and out of business because they start wanting to appeal to the people who want to do yoga and the people who want to go to the gym five days a week. And they start adding these things on and pretty soon they're out of business. Interesting. Yeah. The fact that you came at this from a, you wanted to do this particular kind of exercise. Now, how do I build a gym around that is very different than like you're talking about some of these competitors who Mm -hmm. try all these different things and then don't, don't, then they kind of lose their vision, so to speak. Right. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about leadership here because I, I mean, I know you have a strong vision for, uh, for exercise and, and health and whatnot, but being able to translate that into a business and being successful at it is, is something else. And you've, you've managed to do that, to do that well. Um, tell us, what does leadership mean to you? I think this is one of my biggest weaknesses. So you know, I'll <laughs> tell you, but take everything I say with a grain of salt. It's getting a team of people moving in the same direction moving not only with the same direction, but with the same real values and intent and motivation. And I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I tend to be a fairly introverted person who likes to think about things and figure things out. And I too much maybe come at people sort of assuming if they're interested in the thing one time that that's just there and it's sustained like it is with me. But most people aren't that way. I think I think most people and most good employees need reinforcement of everything that's important. So yeah, I think a lot of leadership is communicating consistently what what that vision is. That like if there's a vision that I hold where I want things to be, it's not going to be obvious to other people what that is, even if maybe I've said it once or half said it once. So it's, it's making sure that that's clear to everybody on the team so that they can take actions within their own sphere that are going that direction. I, I don't think leadership is telling people exactly what to do, but it's giving them the direction and then they have the freedom. And if they're, if they're the person you want as an employee, they're going to do the best job they can within that role. So what advice can you offer to anyone who's thinking about starting their own business? You know, for a long time, the advice I would always give to people, because people would come up and ask me and say, you've, you've done this business, it's working for you, I want to do my own. And I'd say, yeah, my advice is don't do it. And I would give them all the reasons and try to discourage them as much as I could and give them all the, the difficulties they were going to face and the, just the, the time and stress and finance and, and all these things that are going to come up. Because I figured if I could really do my best job of convincing them how awful it was going to be and they still wanted to do it, well, then they're going to be all right. 
it's important to not want to do something just because you don't like what you currently have. And I think that's the thing that I have responded to a lot in seeing people ask, well, how do I get my business started? And the question coming from a place of, I really don't like my boss. I want to be my own boss. Or I don't like my job. I want to have a different job. But with no real clear idea of what it means to actually be responsible for not just your own time, but all of your clients and your employees and everything that you intend to do as part of this business, as part of this structure. So I think it's important to really get clarity on what is the thing that you want to do and how much do you want to do it and how much value can you bring to other people? And can you do it in a way that's not going to lose you a whole bunch of money? Also, can you do it in a way that's going to be profitable at a very small scale? I've met a lot of really successful people over the years because I I enjoy talking about business and somehow I end up talking to a lot of people. And again and again, I find that the most successful people with enormous businesses and and making lots of money started very, very small uh, and and just grew it rather than got a bunch of capital invested and and started with this big bang. Uh, So that for whatever the combination of reasons, I think that works really well. Great. So uh, finally, Chad, tell us how people can find you and Myogenics. Sure. So we're on the web, myogenics.com. It's spelled M-Y-O-G-E-N-I-C-S.com. And that's that's pretty much it. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot for uh, coming in today, Chad, and talking with us about Myogenics. I really enjoyed learning about uh, your business and, and how it got started and where it's going. And we wish you a profitable future. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Good to be here. Thank you for listening to The Independent Entrepreneur. The show's theme song, Tommy in the Morning, is by Pete Huttlinger and used with his permission. All other content on the show is copyright 2011 by Sean Salisbury. We hope you've enjoyed this interview. For more information and to listen to other interviews, please visit www.indiebizshow.com. That's www.indybiz.com. S-H-O-W dot com.